Hello, and welcome to a very special side quest of Try Not To Die. I'm your DM, aka your druidic Mimi, Noah Perito, and I'm here with our hero. Ashley Goodwin, aka Brigid, here to discuss the state of the realm with a hefty dose of overwhelm. <laughs> How's that? That was really How's good. That? Definitely worth the like two hours of brainstorming that we did prior. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. It's you didn't so good have to, to have tell everyone. Back. I had to. I had to. Thank you. Welcome. Welcome back. It feels good to be home. Well, today we return to Southern Emeralia, the jungles of the Veridantes. Last time we were here, Brigid, keeper of the Allfire, had just returned from a dangerous adventure below the capital city of the Aurelian Empire, learning of their plans to use the Auric Army a legion of metal soldiers to march on the near impenetrable wood. With her allies Stregorede, Gorgonzola, and Landscorcher, aka Smite Altrui, the trio infiltrated the lair of the nefarious aberration named Paragon and rescued citizens that were to be turned into these metal warriors. In a daring escape, our heroes teleported the crowd to Elder Green Haven, home of the High Priestess, Brigid's mother, though their friend Gorgonzola was unfortunately left behind to fend for herself. Mm. Wah, wah. Where's my friends? <laughs> Where's my friends? We follow her now as she walks through the vast halls of this sacred site, massive Veridontis trees that act as pillars growing through the stone. A beautiful garden blooms along the walls and the mossy patches on the floors. Motes of light, bioluminescent bugs, of course, provide a sort of glowing, warm light for the people as they walk towards the west wing where the healing chamber is located. Smite walks beside you, your father assisting you as you walk, your mother peeling off from you to go talk to a few hexbloods and dryads in the verdant leaf tunics, informing them of what was going on. The calls of Magnolia far ahead echo through the stone tree halls. This way, past the ponds, ignore the leprechauns, and down this hallway directing the masses with you and your allies in tow. In moments you arrive, the vine-covered tunnel opens up and you are walking out onto a stone courtyard. Across is this rectangular structure with a domed roof with a full-on Veridontis tree just growing inside of it, forming two of the pillars that are literally acting as, like, like literally the roots have kind of grown in a way to create an archway opening up. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. You walk across the courtyard and enter into a hospital-like chamber with a number of like stone slab beds covered in soft lush moss as well as some like plant life that has been woven together to create kind of not hammocks but some, like stretchers, some more supportive sort of um, surfaces. Acolytes of the temple, a few dryads, um, you know, some animal folk, fairies and such, all wearing like natural fiber robes, begin to assist people into beds, those with healing abilities tending to the obviously wounded. Your father turns to you and Smite. Rest here. I must join your mother to uh, alert and gather the elders. We will meet tonight to discuss what has happened and what next steps can be taken. Okay. Thanks, Dad. Love you. Gives you a little kiss on the head. Um, Brigid kind of side smiles and is just very clearly exhausted. Um, he like pulls you in for a little hug, too, and then pats you on the shoulder like... Good talk. Um, and then heads back out and back towards the central structure of trees um, where you know many elders reside. Smite is like beginning to get pulled over to one of the beds because obviously he is very, very rough looking, but he like, he goes, hold on, hold on. Give me a little time and I can be ready for the meeting tonight. I'll have Crystal and uh, Jerry, you know, healed up and we can be ready. For tonight? 
Yeah, if, you know. I don't. I I just just in speaking publicly, uh, I was gonna ask you if I if I sounded like I was speaking gibberish because I truthfully just don't remember anything no, that I said. <laughs> you were great. You were great. People. I mean, what? Right now, first of all, you're exhausted. We're all exhausted. And he like looks around at all the other people who are there with you. Rest is the most important thing, and I think that us showing up and looking like shit kind of emphasizes the the bad situation we're in. You know what yeah. I mean? Like it's like we can't really mince words here. Things things are bad. Yeah, it's okay if we like look like shit. People yeah. will be like, things "Oh are bad. wow, things, things are, are bad." bad. Things yeah, are bad. Things are bad. Things are bad. Hey, 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 whoa, whoa, it's it's gonna and be okay. And Brigid has like a thousand yard stare. I don't think, even think she's hearing what Smite is trying to say. Um, I think I think I need to just I need to just close my eyes right now. Yeah, take all the time you need. I'm I'm gonna go get healed up. Um, when your mother comes for us, I'll be I'll be ready with the gang. Brigid like snaps into realizing where she kind of is right now and how nice Smite is trying to be even though she's very stressed out she looks right into Smite's eyes and puts her hand on his shoulder thank you he nods and kind of touches your hand and goes I'm so sorry we've brought this to your doorstep and I'm sorry about Pyre Brigid starts to well up and so she just kind of Again, kind of does that, like, closed-lipped, straight smile. Yeah. And, um, and kind of turns to take off some of her, you know, the things off of her so that she can get ready to lay down and rest. Smite uh, nods and averts his eyes. Uh, he's like, I'm getting dressed. I'm not right? getting naked. I just, you know. I don't I, have to do that. Okay. I'm just taking off my legs. All right, I'm going to go get healed up again. Thank you. It's all good. Um, he kind of looks at you for a moment. He knows that you're not doing well, but he also, between probably not being fully emotionally equipped to help, but also knowing that sometimes the best thing you could do is just give someone space when they're hurting. He like looks at you, nods, and the, a dryad comes over and kind of helps him over to a, one of the beds where he begins to get some some curing. You have some time to like heal um, and maybe trance for a bit. Um, you see, you know, so a few people come over, like this tabaxi woman um, with uh, leopard-like spots comes over and she kind of lays a hand and cures some of the cuts and wounds that you have. But a full Thank trance you. will be necessary. Of course, it is our pleasure to help. Thank you. Keeper bows and heads off. Every time anyone brings up Pyre or me being the keeper, I like start to get a little bit more anxious just feeling a little guilty as this person of note to have brought this kind of news to my people. Yeah. I feel a little heavy with the responsibility. Yeah. You can't help but feel the weight of everything that's going on. And though you had had a modicum of success here, you know that in general, this really is only the beginning. Mm-hmm. After the tabaxi comes over and gives me a little healing and says, you know, calls me keeper, I kind of uh, feel the need for like a little bit of space and not wanting to, now that I have it, uh, you know, whereas the past week I've been underground and not necessarily in a place that is comforting in any way, um, knowing that I have like at this moment the ability and the opportunity to go somewhere very comfortable to to trance, I go... um, and find a very uh, high branch and a very tall tree. <laughs> there are um, so many of those. You truly have your yeah, pick. Yeah, I have my favorite one. Yeah. And uh, 
I go there and as I'm, you know, like, as I said, I, as I'm climbing this tree, I'm thinking about, you know, this, this title and my responsibility and kind of feeling heavy. And as I get to the top, I sit down and kind of take a deep breath and try and release as much of that as possible. Yeah. Um, Still very concerned. Yeah. You find a tree outside of like this massive temples complex um, looking out over the beautiful beautiful forest around you and the stunning temple that rises amongst it and you close your eyes and take a breath and begin to fall back into that elvish trance Uh, and as you trance you do have visions of past lives as you always have you know memories flooding back in but this time a lot of them are centered around the Allfire. Most, if not all, are actually centered around the Allfire and the experiences of past keepers and having to tend to it, having its personality kind of change and the dangers that they, they, they have gotten into and the, the incidents in which these magnificent elemental creatures have been struck down or extinguished. And you've seen that they've been able to bring the Allfire back. You know, there's always a trace of that heat so long as the Keeper lives, so does the Allfire. But it is painful. And when you open your eyes, you you do feel some, like, tears have streamed down your cheeks um, as if you had been crying while you were trancing. Um, It is later in the day now. Um, I'll say it (laughs) it took you a little time to kind of find the right place and settle down, so... At this point, the four hours of trance has led you to sundown, and you see that like there's a warm kind of late sun um, basking the area around you in this golden light. It's golden hour. It is the golden hour. Yeah, I would say it's like getting it's getting towards the end of it, um, and you see that most of like the news has spread, and there's kind of more of a quiet calm here in the temple around. People have kind of gone into their homes and can tell that something big is going on, and don't really want to get in the way of any sort of northerner citizens. Um, but as you're kind of like looking out there, you hear a call from down below. My darling, how are you feeling? And you look down, you see the the beautiful satyr figure that is High Priestess Cardamon looking up at you. One second, Mom. And I take one last like look over the jungle and the temple as the sun is setting. And as my eyes are wet with tears, and I think about how this might be one of the last times I see it as peaceful as it is now. You can't help but look out and know that, especially with the threats on the horizon, it's potentially inevitable that violence and danger reach this deep into the jungle. (sighs) And I, like... I wipe my tears, and I start to descend the tree. Um, You descend the tree, and your mother is waiting for you at the bottom. Takes you just a moment with your druidic abilities to kind of almost thorn whip your way down, but you do descend, um, and she takes one look at you. and. Can I do a check to hide it from her? Yeah, give me a deception check. She's going to roll an inside check. You simply can't lie from the dice. 
certainly, certainly cannot lie in front of your mother. What'd it was you roll? a four and then a five. She rolled a 14 plus her insight, which is as a level 18 druid, very, very high. So yeah. she takes one look at you and goes, oh, darling, and just pulls you in for a hug and just Thank hugs you. you for a moment. I don't want to dwell too much on this feeling, Mom. She nods. I've gathered the elders. They're all ready for you. And I've spoken with your friends. They're awaiting just inside, and we will head over to the trees together. Okay. You follow her back from your tree to the temple inside these massive halls. You know, people are scarce at this point. You don't even see acolytes. They've kind of probably all been told to... Go inside exactly figure like, out a plan. Yeah, cater to certain things. You know, people are now on watch, definitely, and, you know, a lot of attention has been called to the hospital wing to make sure that, like, anybody who can help is helping. I'm noticing, like, a little bit more, like, not security, but security. Like, more yeah. people are being, like, a little bit more mobilized and... It seems, you know, not as calm as it was when we first arrived. Yeah, there's tension in the air, yeah, at least. Exactly. Even though it's maybe not like troops like marching along, but you right. certainly you certainly notice that those who are out are those who are armed. Or at least those who you know have abilities that could assist in a scenario of danger. You head back into the temple. You see that Crystal is there, um, waiting with Jerry and Smite. Her wounds have been bandaged. She has like a um, she has like a bandage on her forehead, kind of where a cut was. Um, Jerry looks totally fine. Somehow sustained no injuries. You he do see he thrives in this environment. <laughs> he does seem to have. You can't. It's like slightly obscured, but you He's do got see a gun the, the gun. That oh he my had. god! <laughs> Jerry's got Hello. a gun. Um, he essentially, <laughs> if if. What you can call Jerry's disposition normally is fine. He seems fine. Yeah. Um, and you see that they are kind of wearing simple hide robes. Their belongings have been, like, stored in little shoulder bags. I go um, over to Crystal and I say, robe looks good on you. Oh, thanks. I wasn't sure if it was going to fit, but it looks like they have my size. Yeah, looks really good. Jerry, you too, man. Yes, I feel great. Everything's going according to plan. Okay, Jerry. Yeah, I sorry about that. I see you have a gun, okay? I'm going to let you keep it. You have to promise not to unload that at all in this jungle, okay? We're not, we don't do guns here. You have my word. Okay. And his eyes, like, flare an infernal red for a moment. <laughs> The fire reminds me of Pyre, and I'm like, oh. And then I move on. <laughs> um, Smite is, you know, dressed as he has been. You know, he is wearing basically his armor and, you know, his his Landscorcher uniform. Um, but he does not have his mask on. He, you know, he, has it been cleaned? Is he uh, is he clean? You see that he he looks pretty clean. Um, his pretty mask, clean? like as clean. <laughs> okay. He looks like his wounds have been dressed. Great. It looks like he's definitely taken some sort of bath. Love it. Um, you do see that, like, his clothes, no one here necessarily knows the spell of prestidigitation because uh, it's like a wizard sorcerer spell, I believe. It's not something druids have. Mm -hmm. So there are some, like, rusty brown red stains on some of his clothes, which you know is blood. Um, but that's something that, you know, easily can be repaired when someone ha has, like, the magic to clean it. But he, all in all, he looks as clean as he could possibly did you be. Wanna, did you want some other clothes? Like, I could give you some of my more no, androgynous I, robes. I'm or, much more comfortable Are you sure? This. Yeah, like, yeah, maybe yeah. you don't want to go into the elder meeting looking, like, you know, a little dirty. <laughs> oh, I, uh, he, like, looks at Cardamon, and Cardamon, like, kind of gives a little t head tilt, and he goes, oh, I, yeah, I'm so sorry. I just no, no, don't apologize at all. And honestly, you can fully wear this, and it would, it would be fine. I just, you know. 
I, I know that you've not maybe been into a meeting such as this and I wanted to give you the opportunity to not feel uncomfortable in there if you felt that way but also you look great smites blue and, eyes and you, look over you, to crystal who's like like you know like <laughs> grits her you, teeth a little bit also, and you smell great and you look like uh, i hope that you enjoyed our bathhouse here it uh is it one was of the best wonderful it was very thank you i appreciate all the hospitality uh oh uh, you see that a vine has come down with some druidic robes and you see your mother has like slu- subtly like twisted her finger to let do it yes let's let us why don't you just toss that on over what you've got it's it's just a simple robe which is a hooded cloak even and he's I, like oh thanks that's that's perfect he when, takes it and puts the hood up and you know ties it so it's it's covering his uniform for the most part once my turns around to like put the robe on i like nudge her like give her an elbow of like Thank you, but also that's embarrassing. And also, thank you. She, you know, kind of does a playful like eye roll, um, and um, looks. Do to I? You. Can I do a perception check to see like if she thinks that we're a thing or something? Yeah, give me an insight check. Do one of my own to think if I think that at some point. <laughs> give me an. Oh my god, it's a nat twenty. Nat twenty. Your mom fully reads you two as some something. She doesn't think like she's not like my my daughter went to the city and in three days now has a boyfriend. She went to the city and, and now, now she has a um no she she um she looks at the two of you and sees that there is something going on between the two of you. She definitely susses that Smite is anxious and seems to be fond of you. She definitely senses that you are perhaps perhaps nervous or at least kind of, you know, uh, overly doing hosp- that thing like of overly like, hospital you know what I mean or ho- like what's the word over, I'm like, for doing that thing of like I can't control anything else so why can't maybe you can be cleaner or something and that's something I can control yes yeah, so um, your mom kind of clocks that but all in all you know she's she's subtle your mom's been alive for like 600 plus years so she she's good she, she looked nice um, <laughs> it's my like nods and goes yeah thanks I, you know maybe I'll bring it back to the city see if I can make it uh, popular you know I I set trends. Not really. I don't know why I lied there. Uh, we should just go, right? We're ready? Chris is like, yeah, I, Brigid, yeah, we're good. Brigid kind of laughs and turns around and realizes that she hasn't actually thought about him leaving until uh, he just said that. There is a deep moment where there's like a silence amongst you all. Um, Cardman kind of clocking that and goes, well, if you're all quite ready, I can. we can head towards the central area. Yeah, let's go. She nods and she leads you all forward out of these grand halls to the ward or this kind of open garden area that is around the high tree. It's beautiful and peaceful. You occasionally spot fey folk kind of like peering out from the foliage or the massive tree columns lining these, like, you know, essentially circling this massive ward. All of them kind of just peeking at these newcomers who, you know, are making their way towards essentially the capital building of this small city. Walking quietly for a few minutes, hearing only the buzz of insects and the echo of the occasional bird call in the late afternoon light, you arrive and pass through the trees into the shaded central area of this beautiful woven tree structure. Inside is this kind of open cylindrical chamber with long, thick vines covered in beautiful orchid-like flowers that give off a dim bioluminescent that, with the already glowing fireflies, provide enough light to sort of see regularly in this space. And to a kind of describe what high tree is, in almost like a grain silo in in shape, a cylinder, these trees, these Veridontis trees have been woven together to form like essentially one big column. tree. Like, like a hollow column. Exactly, like a hollow column. So like the walls of this cylinder are these 
sequoia-sized trees that have just like slowly over centuries been woven together to form this structure. And inside you see, as I said, there are these, these vines kind of dangling down from the platform far above you, curling as they meet the floor to form these almost like pocket-like chairs. The branches of the trees have been woven into bridges and walkways high above you, more of these vines wrapping around them and securing them into place. Are the chairs kind of like the chairs of uh, the Jedi Council in uh, The Phantom Menace? No, because you're not yet in the council space. This oh. this is more like... this An is outside like, space for sitting? This is kind of like the lounge before you enter. Like, they're, they're ready to see you now kind of the situation. You know what I mean? This is the reception area. Um, and you watch as your mom approaches one of these kind of vines, um, which you know are called riser weed. Um, and she, like, you know, takes a delicate seat and then tugs on it. And you watch as it slowly begins to rise up towards the platforms above uh, smite like looks at you and goes like we sit we sit on these yeah, you sit down. Okay. um he like awkwardly kind of shifts in and like helps crystal get in as well and um in a moment they both tug and you watch as they slowly begin to head up jerry tugging as well following mm-hmm. um i look to make sure everyone's doing it and once they are i let go of anyone else really kind of being here in center what I'm going to say. You sit in one of the chairs and tug as it slowly begins to pull you up past a few platforms higher and higher, past branches woven together, occasionally passing a break in the thick trees to see Elder Haven circling around you. Smite, Crystal, and Jerry look on in awe, Smite turning to you at, at moments kind of with a, like, a, like an odd grin before kind of taking, you know, recognizing that you're in a very kind of stoic, yeah, serious Brigid mood. Yeah, doesn't notice that he does that. Yeah, he, he like turns away. As it rises to this sort of dais, you watch as Cardamon kind of steps off onto the platform and the vines keep rising higher up into the tree. And at this point, you now hear the sounds of what almost sounds like a cocktail party kind of coming up from above. You're on like a a round platform that follows the edges of this cylinder with a few staircases that lead up to a central dais that must be populated by the elders. And you've been here several times. You know that that is essentially the meeting area. I've had to give several presentations here. I know what this is like. Yes. And And it never gets any easier. It really doesn't. And your mother looks to you and gives you a knowing nod and kind of, you know, like, clenches her little fist and like you got this as she turns and kind of takes on a more professional more regal kind of look and begins to make her way up the stairs once you pass to the eye level of the dais platform you are now surrounded by massive verdantis leaves and growing flowers formed into bouquets that act almost like lamps wrapped around these thick branches the Zuhat Sandaria, aka the elder green sit around a stone table circling the space Full-blooded hags, hexbloods, wood elves, forest gnomes, ladrin, dryads, pixies, sprites, halflings, leprechauns, animal folk, quicklings, and other aging fae, all eating and drinking, as Elder Green meetings are, of course, catered. Mm. On the complete opposite side of this cylindrical chamber, you see a slightly raised seat in the center of the table, which your mother begins to walk to, kind of passing around the table, greeting people with a smile, several people like raising a glass to her and like laughing and chatting with her. She pleasantly greets them. Do they know about what happened um, earlier that day, I guess? They have been like alerted that there's an emergency meeting. But but they don't know that like- They don't know the full nature of what happened. They certainly don't know all the details. And I will also add that this is kind of- 
I mean, this is their briefing of what has happened. Yeah, exactly. And and I'll say this: you know this as you know a resident of this this jungle. Fey folk are sometimes a bit cavalier. A re- you know what like I mean? Like irreverent. Yeah, they're like irreverent. Like you know, they live for even elves. You know, even though they're not fully fey, like they live for such a long time that sometimes these kind of things are like petty. drop. Yeah, like petty. They're like this is small potatoes. Like yeah. it's fine. You know, sure. like so. They've all been alerted, and because of their duty to show up, they've shown up. But you can tell that the the area, the the atmosphere here is very relaxed in comparison to the strong kind of stoic tone that you and your companions are bringing. I feel guilty for about to destroy <laughs> about this to vibe. Blow up this spot. Um, so you watch as your mother makes her way to this this throne like chair opposite you. Blue standing there waiting for her on guard as always. And in a few moments, your mother takes her seat, and this hooded dryad acolyte steps out and, sort of twisting her hands together and hardening them like bark, she raises them to her lips and blows, creating an ocarina-like whistle that causes the conversations to cease and pulls the focus toward your mother. Greetings, Zuhat Zendaria. Thank you for traveling here on such short notice. A few days ago, Keeper Brigid was sent to the Haven Tree to assist High Priest Moss Peacewillow in paying what the Northerners call taxes. She gestures to Moss, who is a few seats over. He's exhausted, but you see that he's like, you know, he's brought himself here. This is the kind of first time you've seen him since this whole incident, since he brought you in. You can tell how tired this man is, but how much he, how serious he knows this is. Like, it mechanically casting such a spell at such a like intense level this kind of transport via plants to the max so to speak Mm -hmm. um he's gained those levels of exhaustion back and he's like i need to go to bed but this is far more important than Mm -hmm. that she turns back to the group after gesturing to him and continues from then well keep a brigade would you and your friends please explain to the elders what your experience was Brigid, um kind of steps forward and gestures for Smite, Crystal, and Jerry to kind of join like me next, join yeah. next to me. They flank you, kind of holding strong. Now, I mean, they they're fully in on how serious this is. You know, they all know that this is their chance to plea for help. Mm-hmm. Elders, allow me to introduce you to my friends, Crystal Burgeis. Crystal nods. Jerry Gorehouse. Jerry stares forward with an incomprehensible look. And Smite Altrui, known amongst his people as the Land Scorcher. Smite, kind of, in hearing his title, can't help but, like, uh, like a, almost like a cocky anime. Also, grin, I, put the, I, mean? I put the the in front of it. He's like, it's like no, there's no. It's just, the. it's just Lance Scorcher, but the, when you say it, it sounds so cool. Um, he kind of straightens up and gives a gives a noble nod, <laughs> attempting to seem above his station. We come to you with unfortunate findings. When I arrived to the capital and found that Moss was kidnapped, of course, this was very distressing. However, I did not know it was a part of a greater conspiracy. Upon my investigation, in order to try and find Moss, I met Smite and another friend, Zola, Gorgonzola, otherwise known as Stregarede. Can I do a perception check to see if anyone bats an eyelash at Stregarede? Yeah, give me an insight check. It's a 28. 
most of the room is kind of holding stoic at the moment. You know, maybe a few kind of head tilts at the mention of Stregorede. Mm-hmm. But it is your father who has the most distinct reaction. Blue's eyes open wide as he hears the term witch heiress, essentially. You know, it's the the ruler of his nation, so to speak. He kind of, for a moment, like, looks at you and then, you know, holds pulls himself back together, trying to seem like he's not affected. Our investigation led us into the Underdark deep beneath the city. It was there where we discovered a secret military base and city-like structure where the Empire and its affiliates are creating weapons out of the souls of those that they have captured, Moss being one of those captives. Moss nods as some of the other council members kind of look towards him, a, a bit confused almost. These weapons, according to our findings are some kind of form of the clone spell and some other magic that suck the souls from these beings that transfers them into nearly indestructible metal bodies. The council, again, exchanging a few looks and smite nods. Using this magic and some form of the clone spell, they're able to take souls from beings, any living being, and put them inside of spell components, like, uh, in this case, a gold microchip. The council, oh, microchip. And lots of murmurs, murmurs, and smite goes, I think it's microchip, but... You know, Sorry, microchip. Yep. <clears throat> inside this chip is the soul, which is then put inside of this automaton, otherwise known as a soldier. These weapons they plan to use to storm the jungle to, I assume, capture more of us, to drain the resources of our home, and use them for their own means. Essentially, the Empire is being controlled and used as a puppet by this organization called the Omni Malum. Everyone in the room, again, more confused looks are exchanged. People, people do, you know, are listening. It seems like what you're saying is having some sort of resonance. People are seeing that there's like something going on. Brigid, trying to speak as slowly and eloquently as possible, is realizing that some of these things just probably make absolutely zero sense to people, and so she looks to Smite to kind of back me up on this. Does that sound like a knowing look of like, does that fucking make sense? Smite nods to you and then looks to them. In my experience as a guardian of this city, I have never seen a threat like this. These soldiers, as they are called, are some of the strongest foes I've ever fought. They almost killed myself and our friend Stregorede Gorgonzola when we had encountered them on another occasion. If they are not stopped, if there is not action taken to protect those who are being targeted to be turned into these soldiers, I fear that they may have forces to take over all of Emeralia, and eventually, perhaps the entire realm. In fact, here today in the jungle, one of their operatives, someone who I can only assume is one of their main captains or proponents. Lords. Lords. Lord, Lord Dress, whatever. Lady? I don't know. Bitch. Fuck Taita, yeah. This bitch. This bitch. under my breath. <laughs> the council. Um, <laughs> in fact... She was here today. 
When Moss transported us all via the tree, she snuck through, and once we closed the portal, was here, on the shores of Lago de Basso. Her name is Dean Flay Chantress. She's the Dean of the University of Aurelia, where they're training what I assume will be more mages to fight alongside these soldiers. These mages can control these soldiers um, when they're not in a state of kind of stasis. Stasis. They can use them to level buildings, burn trees, do anything that they want, and they will do it without hesitation, without care, without any regard for their own lives. In fact, today we saw Flay control the minds of all of the, the captured that we had brought here, including Smite. She was able to control their minds with a, a brooch or a gem of some kind that she keeps close to her chest. If she's able to do that, there's no telling what could be possible. With that, the council kind of, you know, has at this point understood the, the threat. Is there anything else that you omit from your tale or, you know, essentially can smite, fill them in on anything else? Um, you tell them everything? No, I want uh, to tell them about Paragon. Okay. So you inform so them about... Smite tells them about, uh, or we tell them about um, Dean Flight Chantress, who is here on our shores. Thankfully, High Priestess was able to banish her from our shores for the time being, but I fear that now that she knows where we live and where we are, that they might be back very soon. She is not the only threat amongst the Omni Malum. Technically, their leader is Paragon, an aberration, a beholder beast, and her organization, the Omni Malum, have outposts throughout the Empire with corrupt leaders that are in the palm of her many stalks. The elders are quiet through most of your telling. You know, occasionally, as I've said, they murmur to one another, exchange strange looks. You know, there's a mix of shock, disbelief, anxiety. Some, um, especially, you know, as you say, like an aberration, some, you know, cast like a worried glance towards Cardamon. Uh, only one, a spring Aladrin, this handsome sylvan man with leaf-like armor, short bush-like green hair, and sparkling yellow eyes carries a look of preparedness. You know, this you would recognize to be Saison d'Etre, who is essentially the leader of the military forces that guard the northern shores where let's say blue is the general of the entire military he's like the commander-in-chief so to speak of that saison is the man on the ground the one who holds the borders for whoever even makes it past like let's say the first like mile of terrain the he's northern the one border who, of the of southern jungles, jungles. yes exactly so like you know that he is someone who is well aware of the threat, though he and his forces have been easily able to, along with the forest, which itself kind of protects itself, have been able to fend off most of the Empire's attempts at conquest. He, once you finish, looks to you. We have been able to handle anything the Imperial dogs have thrown at us. The warriors of the coast will easily be able to uh, outmaneuver these, how you say, soldiers. I am pleased with your confidence. However, I can't begin to tell you how horrifying and strong these automatons are. Smite kind of cuts in. Truly, 
I admire your bravery, but having fought one, just singly one of these with a companion of mine, we one barely them, escaped alive. One of them that happened to be malfunctioning wasn't even fully functioning. Wasn't even fully in control by a mage. It was acting irrationally. If in control of someone competent enough and anyone trained by the Enchantress Flay will be competent enough, I, I can't imagine the kind of horrors they can reap. Um, and you kind of see Cezanne takes that in. He, he, though a confident man, he is one who... He, he recognizes truth in what you are saying. A leopard tabaxi woman you recognize as apripassive purrs thoughtfully. These soldiers, how much time do we have? And in what way will they be coming? By sea? By land? Assuming that Flay will bring them in some magical way, I assume that they can be teleported now that they know where we live. Also, even though we banished her today, she made it very clear that even though we've thwarted their movement in the socket underneath Emeralia, there are thousands of these soldiers already ready. Many of them were planning on marching north as of Monday, I believe it was. So they I could be heading. Yeah, I honestly have no fucking clue anymore. Uh, sorry, Council uh, bows deeply. My, my point is, is that they truly could arrive by any means. As he finishes saying that, a purple-skinned, hag-like woman clears her throat. <clears throat> and how should we prepare? What do we tell our people? Honestly, that's why I'm here today. I'm happy that I have this information to give us some time to prepare. However, I don't know how else I can help. I don't know how else we can fend them off. And truthfully, I come bearing information, but looking for guidance. Smite nods and speaks up as well. We need your help. I have been working with the disenfranchised of the city and now more than ever I believe they are in imminent danger. Though it is their home, I believe a full-scale evacuation is necessary to keep those safe. If we can keep the organization from turning more people into soldiers, at least we'll have a limited number for them to be dealing with. And they lack a way of controlling all of them at once. They need quite a few mages that are well-trained enough to you know, control an army of the size that they've created. So we do have some time, but we we need your help. When Smite says that they lack a way of controlling all of them at once, I think Brigid in her head like immediately thinks, oh my God, that's the crown. That's why they need the crown. Yes. Whether or not that's true, she thinks to herself that must be the reason. And it reminds her that she has still not told the council about MP. And so she divulges to the council that Paragon had a ward that they were planning to use against anyone in their way. And, and honestly, to pull the dragons, like to pull uh, Ambledorth, the silver dragon, as you learned, into line. Yes, exactly. So she, I think she tells the, all of that information to the council, tells them that MP was, uh, when we first met her, a girl and then or a, a humanoid person trans was transformed or did transform into a gold dragon. And that was very, extremely powerful. And uh, I think that Brigitte has enough knowledge of like dragons and nature to, to know that 
and there hasn't been one in a while and that might be information that the council would also want to know and that this you know just telling them all about the crown yeah. as well and you why inform that them important. of that whole situation um and you do see there's just some, tell them the whole sitch. you tell them the whole sitch. there's a lot of crosstalk at this point as people kind of discuss you overhear some like a golden dragon there hasn't been a golden dragon for thousands of years you know there's some do doubt and stuff start, like that yeah doubting yeah me. like there are some who are like it's possible like in theory a dragon egg could last for centuries without hatching give me an insight check 22 22 you see a kind of an interesting look on blue's face when you talk of the gold dragon um and you can't really tell what it means but it it's similar to the shock that was seen on his face when you discussed the stregorede i look into his eyes like and i nod like i'm telling the truth Blue, seeing that and seeing the kind of discourse that's going on, speaks out. What she says is true. It is certainly possible that the Golden Dragon exists, and and if they do, then they would be destined to rule over all the other dragons, to be essentially the guardian of the Draconic Ways. A subtle silence kind of takes over the room for a moment. And as, you know, people are kind of settling into the idea of this danger, of these all these various developments, um, you see, like, this small, sprite, older, with salt and pepper, like, mustache, tiny hide armor kind of rises up. How could we possibly take in more people if the threat you describe is so dire? We're already so unprepared as it is. Crystal kind of, like... You know, she hasn't spoken yet. She steps up. We don't expect any handouts. Those of us who can work, and that's most of us, will do whatever we can to make our, you know, presence here useful. And then another member, one who you know is perhaps one who's given the most trouble to you and other members of the council. A handsome, middle-aged wood elf with tan skin and pale hazel eyes that are bright under his braided dark auburn hair Theobroma, one of the leaders of the wood elves of the jungles and how can we trust that? How can we expect a group of foreign folk entering into our culture and customs so seamlessly they are coming from a vastly different way of life have we considered escaping to the Feywild leaving this realm for good as our ancestors have and the other council members are kind of like nodding in agreement. You know, there's murmurs of like, we could just leave. Like, this isn't our problem. And your mother looks to you and before you need to speak says, as a steward of Sylvanus's garden here and a dedicated servant of the dreams of the wood, I cannot abandon this plane. I will not stop others from fleeing, but we are stronger together. And she looks to you. I agree with my mother. Somebody goes, yeah, me, me too. Full agree uh, on that account. At this point, Moss stands and you see the rest of the elders turn to look at him. I come to you all knowing that this is not a fight we want, but one we have to fight. It is a fight my parish and I have been already fighting. One I worry will reach a breaking point soon. As Keeper Brigid described, I was able to use a powerful casting of the transport via plant spell to teleport the refugees we have saved. I believe that we could, in theory, do the same for any of the people who reside and practice at the Temple of the Wild, 
or those in the Undercity seeking shelter. It will require our best druids loaning their powers to either myself or Cardamon, and perhaps some powerful spell components in order to sustain it, but we could create a doorway to be opened and closed at our discretion. With the Imperial casters being primarily arcane, none of them would have access to this type of natural magic. We'd be able to use it without being tailed by Imperial troops, and though they have been here before, they do not yet have the magic to teleport a sizable enough army to where we are now. Theobroma speaks up once more. And if we were to allow some sort of evacuation, how many would we be expecting? Moss holds strong as he says. If all of them agreed to come, which wouldn't be likely, but I'd be remiss if I didn't give an accurate picture, it could be upwards of several thousand. Silence takes the room. Your mother turns to Moss with a look of utter shock. High priest, that is qu quite a large group. The spring legend Saison rises. And are they warriors? Able to fight for themselves and if we were to call upon them, us? Moss meets his gaze. Some, yes. Others are civilians, parents, children. Some skilled, some not. I would personally oversee this evacuation, and with Smite's help and knowledge of the sewers beneath Aurelia, we could evade our enemies. We could spread the information in select ways as well, to make sure groups can get across at scheduled times rather than rushing in the streets and drawing attention. Mm -hmm. If we acquire the components in time, we could, in theory, start as early as tomorrow night with a small group, a test teleport using the standard casting of the spell before increasing the number once we have the means to do so. More murmurs begin to kind of like sprout up as he's saying this kind of how, like how could we possibly take on so much? Um, Cezanne looks to Theobroma who shakes his head and then looks to you and your mother. High Priestess, we cannot afford to bring in such a population. The forest may be abundant in resources, but we do not yet have the infrastructure in place to feed and house them all. We also still have to warn and prepare our own people. This many coming in could lead to chaos. Moreover, such an evacuation, no matter how rushed, could take weeks. Surely these imperial forces would be able to interfere if they figure out what is happening. Forgive me, Theobroma, but if I'm not mistaken, in the past we've done more for less. This should be seen as an ultimate threat, not only to these people that we wish to evacuate, but to us as well and our well-being. Would you really sacrifice all of this, this beauty that we live amongst, to flee to the Feywild, to be a coward? Give me an intimidation check. It's a 19. Theobroma, the moment you cut in, looks furious. He looks at you with a look of deep, deep, deep hatred, almost. This kind of fury this disappointment that's very hard to understand he looks to the others around him who at this point have kind of recognized your challenge and look to him and he kind of sinks back into his seat all i'm saying is that if we are to stay we put the lives of ourselves and our force at risk if we leave perhaps we can return someday and rebuild rebuild I point to one, one Veridontis tree. 
this one tree hundreds of years to grow hundreds you're telling me you want to escape for hundreds and thousands of years return and rebuild not only is that unfeasible but it's also inhumane we have to help these people for our good for their good for the good of the realm and all of us your mother pauses thoughtfully considering the anxieties of the council considering all that you've said and the logical conclusions you've brought them to listen i'm not saying this is going to be snap of a finger and tomorrow we have all these people and everything is very organized this will take time and will take thought however this is just the first step this is the information that i have for you all and then maybe tomorrow we can begin to formulate a stage-by-stage plan in which we prepare our home and also prepare tests of the teleportation of people back and forth. This is in no way disrespect to you, Theobroma. I, however, feel that this is feasible if we just give it a little bit more thought. Theobroma looks at you. Give me an insight check. It's a nat 20. Are you fucking serious? Are you fucking serious? <laughs> I was sitting 20, here being like, she has to roll a nat 20, 20 to see anything about this. Listen, I think that he wanted to be the keeper. This other wood elf. You look at Theobroma. And you see a hurt that is difficult to understand. A betrayal, almost. It's hard to describe in any other way than... As if someone close to him has hurt him yet again. As you kind of have this little stare off with him, your mother rises. Long ago, I was once told about an arcane anchor known as a plainstone by Babareshi, one of the elders who lives in the fungal forest near the southeastern section of the Sanguisor Mountains. I would be willing to bring the keeper to her so they can set off on a journey, if the elders approve, and... As soon as they acquire said stone, we could begin this evacuation plan that Mr. Scorcher and High Priest Moss have suggested within days. Those who already seemed a bit against this plan definitely respond poorly to this, muttering about how little time this gives them. And as they talk, High Priestess's gray-green eyes look to you as if to say, this is the last moment you have to convince these people. Give your peace to the elders before they vote to decide. Elders, it takes courage to be vulnerable, but without any risk, there is no reward. I leave the decision with you. Your mother nods and looks at the Zuhat Sandaria with stern eyes. Thank you, all of you, for your input. The threat is inevitable. Preparations must be made for that. But let us vote to decide if this evacuation is possible and should be done. Raise your hand if you believe we should evacuate and provide refuge to those being targeted by the Aurelian Empire. At this point, Brigid, I would ask you to roll a persuasion check, and given how convincing you were and how your allies assisted you, I will give you advantage. This will determine how much support the council gives to this idea. I only get a plus two. I don't have great charisma. Shocking. <laughs> Oh, hopefully it's not that. <sighs> it's only an 11. There is silence 
as you watch about half of the group raise their hands in favor of this evacuation. Those opposed, you may vote now. The other half of the group votes. And you now see that the council is officially split directly down the middle on how to proceed. So, it is agreed that this threat is inevitable and we must begin to plan, but we are not yet ready to perhaps allow such a large evacuation. More talks might be needed in order to secure such a situation. You see Theobroma looks a little bit smug as he sees that the council, like, essentially at this moment is not going to approve this plan. I Brigid hides her disappointment um, and nods respectfully. Smite puts a hand on your shoulder and looks at them all. Thank you for your time. We hope that you reconsider, uh, but regardless, we appreciate you housing us for the time. I look over at Crystal, and I look over at Jerry, who were the ones who were captured, and I look at how disappointed they are, and I look into Crystal's eyes, and I look into Jerry's eyes. I don't see anything in Jerry's eyes, so I look back at Crystal's eyes. Crystal looks to you and nods and looks back at the council. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. We are proud people who will do anything to find a way to fit in and to assist this assist this civilization that you all are a part of. You know, it's not easy being from the North. It, in fact, I would say that most of my existence has been really hard. So being here has been really, really nice. And I just, again, thank you so much. I would, uh, um, you know, it, it, would, be, it would be really helpful if you if you would assist an evacuation okay thank you um i will since since you are signaling to me that you want another persuasion check um here roll one more time well what yeah does do i look around not everyone is as like you know heartless as theobroma is trying to be does anyone are any of the people that have spoken previously do I see any kind of like pity or anything in their eyes? For sure. I think that as you look around the room, you do indeed see pity in some of their eyes. Those who voted against the evacuation, you notice that, like, for instance, one of them was um, the tabaxi who spoke at the beginning. They voted because they're like, that's a huge undertaking. And we just are finding out about this threat. So, like, let's deal with the threat first or like, let's figure out you know, how we're going to deal with that threat first before we, like, open our doors to refugees, basically. But in hearing and in seeing Crystal and Jerry and Smite kind of stand there before them, I will let you roll one last persuasion check to see if you can convince anyone else. Crystal and Jerry, so sad-looking, so tired, with their sad wrists that just had manticles. 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 Manticles? Manacles. Manacles. What did I say? Manticles. Well, isn't it manticles? No, it's manacles. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like we're saying the same fucking thing. Manacles? Manticles. Manticles. I will give you this last one. It's a five. The council has spoken. For now, we will begin preparations for the incoming attacks, and we will handle the evacuation once we have a better idea of what we're facing. 
And you could see that your mother also is a bit disappointed in the council, but she closes the meeting and you feel smite like, you know, your his hand on your shoulder. I you brush goes, it off. Um, you brush it off um, and you head towards the riser weed to take a seat and begin to descend down below and your allies follow quickly after. As you head out into the ward, Smite catches up. Hey, thank you for everything you did there. That was... I fucked up. No. I, I completely failed. I completely fucked that up. I should have been much much more succinct, and I should not have said anything to fucking Theobroma. Hey. He's been a pain in my ass the moment I got this job. I think he wants my job, and honestly, fuck. can't believe that. Hey, you did excellent. It's not your fault that people are scared. This is incredibly scary, and it's justified that they don't want to take on such a large group of people but who they don't know. But this is the only way I can help. I don't know how else I can help. I, I can't help. Smite looks at you for a long time. You feel Crystal take your hand, her, her scaly, dragonborn hand. Oh, you're here. <laughs> yeah, I'm here. Um, Hey, you did a really good job, and you're... You're really good at your job. It's it's hard in these kind of moments to be, you know, the way that we picture heroes to be. All the stories you hear, they're they're pre-written. They're scripted. There's there's no right words to use, and you did your best to kind of explain what's going on. So thank you, Crystal. I really appreciate you speaking up as well. I know it's a very intimidating place to be, and I I appreciate um, what you said. I I think I need to just. I think I need to just take a moment, if you don't mind. Of course. Uh, come on, Jerry. You see Jerry is cleaning out the pistol. Um, <laughs> yeah, you did wonderful. Um, she goes, okay, come on. <laughs> just drags him away, walking through the ward, um, back towards the to the trees, that the structure that circles this entire area. Um, okay. Smite holds for a moment and looks to you. I kind of look at him and I shake my head like... I don't know what else you want me to say. And so I keep walking down and... You begin to walk, and as you're walking, he doesn't go follow Crystal. He keeps after you, and he goes, I got a call from Zola. She's okay. She made it back. Marfin saved her and and P. They're, they're alive. They're okay? They're okay. We succeeded. This was a victory. Don't let those people in there make you think that you've lost. There's still time, and, and we can figure this out. I just... I just feel... just feel like I failed, you know? Like, I, there's... There's so little I can do. And you... You... You have the order of the fallen god. I've never left this place. And of course, the one time I do, I discover this fucking horrible thing, and... I just, I just don't know. I, I can't help. I, I don't know what else to do. You hear a voice from behind you. That doesn't sound like the, the boss bitch I saw scorch some motherfuckers down in the Undercity. And you turn and you see Cardamon, uh, Blue, and Moss have approached the two of you. You guys are kind of off, you know, if you've walked into the grassy gardens around the central tree, but not far enough that these three couldn't find you. And your father looks at you and he goes, You did wonderfully in there. I'm sorry that the council was split. 
Hopefully they'll come to their senses. Let's give this some time. Regardless, I think we should perhaps prepare for them to approve of your plan in the future. I was thinking that too. Just maybe go out on a little errand. There's certainly no harm in having all the components ready if they happen to change their mind. In fact, it would be of our benefit, no? Smite, like, looks between the two of you. Are you it? So you're gonna... So we're gonna kinda do it? Like, we're gonna kinda... We're gonna get the stone or whatever you guys were talking about and make a portal? And your mother looks and goes, I would never go against the direct wishes of the council, but... It's always good to have um, a means of escape, and especially for those who do not have the abilities to shift themselves between planes and such. And your father speaks up. It would be, honestly, important for the defenses of the civilization of our people that we perhaps have a, a means of quick escape for as many as possible. So, even if they don't even prove of evacuation, it's very possible that we could, you know, need a portal for our own means. Moss looks to Carmen and Blue. Well, we should probably, you know, give these two some space. It's been a very long, long few days for them, and I know that I myself am very tired. Could, Blue, do you mind, do you mind guiding me back to the hospital? You know, this old mind, it forgets these things. And Carmen nods and goes, Right, I'll I'll take you both. Why don't why don't the three of us head that way? Keeper Brigitte, you did wonderful this evening. Thank you. She nods and then nods to Smite, who like, oh, hi, priestess, ma'am, salutes her and nods. We don't um, do that. Blue nods, and the three of them head off, leaving you guys in the ward. I should probably, you know, go get some real rest too. Um. Can, do you need anything? Can I get you anything? No, I'm okay. Thank you so much for being so supportive. Always. This is... This is the hardest thing I've ever had to do. <sighs> yeah. I can't believe I'm saying this, but same. But we'll do it. Together. He smiles at you. I, could, I should go check on... All them, too. I know Crystal and Jerry are definitely unwell. <laughs> I think Brigid looks at Smite and is so appreciative of this kind of blind trust and friendship that he's shown her in just so such a short time of knowing her. And I think she just, before he leaves throws her arm around his neck and gives him a big hug. Big. He, uh, uh, a little shocked at first, but slowly embraces you and holds you as you watch the sun sets over the horizon and stars take the sky. He lets go of you eventually, and you can see that he's fully blushing, and he goes, ah, oh, well, um, good night, Keeper. nods and heads off and obviously you've tranced already but you probably would do that once more before tomorrow anyways yeah uh, i think that you know between smite and my mother 
saying calling me keeper again it reminds me of this responsibility and this part of me that is missing from me still and um I go back to a space in the temple and I want to resummon Pyre. You head to the burning shrine, the location within the temple, underground actually, that is essentially where the Allfire returns to if they're summoned and the Keeper falls. In order to select the next Keeper, it returns there. So you head down there and you see this this beautifully constructed chamber. It is, there is a lot of lush, like kind of underground indoor plant life here. There is Sylvan written across the walls, language that you, you do understand. Most of it just praising Corellin and fire and as a gift to all people. Um, and you approach this stone brazier in the center and sit before it and begin to meditate and call forth Pyre, the Allfire. I feel comforted that the fire is not in this space, which just means that, you know, I still have the ability to call her. Um, Because obviously if there were a fire here in in this place, it would mean that another one would need to be chosen. And at this point, I feel pretty much like a failure. And so I'm at least at ease knowing that. You're not I didn't so get much, fired. Yeah, you're not so much of a failure <laughs> that you lost your job. Um, you um, take this moment. Uh, is there anything in particular that you want to do to summon Pyre? Or is it as simple as you focusing on the heat within yourself? Yeah, I feel uneasy not having her with me. And I'm sitting there and thinking of her and thinking of what I just kept repeating before. Like, I don't know how else I can help. I don't know how else I can help. Maybe the spirit of the Allfire will have some wisdom for me. I can't help, I can't help, I can't help. And so I start to cry and tears running down my cheeks. I usually put my hands in front of me to summon her and to sort of meditate into that space and feel her. Pull my hands up to my my circlet earring where she resides and then I whisk my hand in front of my my face or in front of myself and that's usually how she moves from my circlet to my hand and out as you put your hand out though you feel the warmth within your earring like a coal still burning after an, a fire has long gone out pyre is not summoned silence greets you i wait a moment think to myself okay let's just we're a little stressed right now we're just gonna try that again big deep breath tears still tear streaks on my cheeks still wet and i try again bring my hand by my ear out in front of me nothing okay come on i need you think of all the moments in the past week where Pyre saved so many, including me and Barley and Moss. I think of all the keepers before me who responsibly and respectfully 
wielded the Allfire, and I wonder if I have misused this great power outside of our council, outside of the Zuhats and Daria, for something that was not necessarily our business. At least not before. I think on this and the dream that I had when I saw Corellin and Promia, one of the first elves. Am I to be the last keeper because I've lost her? No. I can help. And as tears fall into them, steam comes up. And I reach my hand to my ear. And I throw it out in front of me again. Brigid, give me a check with your wisdom modifier. I believe it's a plus five. So d20 plus five. Oh my god. What was it? Was that nat 20? (laughs) Are you fucking serious? I'm not kidding. You, with this final, (sighs) final rush of assuredness of necessity of of a desire to fulfill your duties you conjure forth and feel a blossoming of flame as you in front of you hurl forward this ball that explodes you shield your eyes from the light and as you do you can't help but hear like a snarling and as you open them, you see in front of you is a much more furious-looking all-fire. No longer fiery orange and red, but burning blue. And at her core, white hot. She seems to carry herself differently as well. Whereas Pyre seemed to be a an, an adorable, Cute. adorable fire oh fox. This is a furious looking almost tiger size kind of beast that looks at you and is like I need you to roll initiative what (laughs) oh no I'm shocked it's a seven in total seven you see pyre is significantly different and the biggest vibe that you get here is that Similar to when you first met Pyre, you almost have to like reintroduce and reacquaint re-attune. yourself. Yeah, reattune with this creature. And as you kind of remember this, you know, kind of go, oh shit, this isn't just going to be as easy as last time. You see Pyre lunges forward, uh, goes to attack you. 13 plus the bonus. That's a, I believe, a 17 to hit. Uh, what's your AC? It's 15. You take. Okay, okay. You take nine fire damage as Pyre leaps onto you and kind of pushes you back onto the ground, snarling above you, scorching your skin and singeing your robes. It is your turn. What do you do? I want to try and push her off and stand face to face. I'm going to say, I mean, she's not actively grappling you. Mm -hmm. So you put your hands up. You feel them sizzle as you press against her you wince but push and tumble back and pull yourself up to your feet as pyre begins to kind of pace and look at you what do you do i want to cast flame strike which is a new fifth level spell i believe a vertical column of divine fire roars down from the heavens in a location i specify each creature in a 10 foot radius 40 foot high cylinder centered on a point within range must make a dexterity saving throw 
the creature takes 46 fire damage and 46 radiant damage on a failed save or half as much damage on a successful one. So essentially what I want to do is summon this massive flame cylinder for us both to live inside. You're casting just, it on yourself And too. just like burn together in a, in a cylinder of fire. Um, so Pyre, yeah, roll your, what'd you get for your deck save? 16 plus two. Is 18. Does that pass your own spell yeah. save? All right, you pass. 17. Pyre doesn't, but I believe Pyre might take half damage anyways from the fire damage that, because, uh, you know, Pyre is made of fire, so it makes sense that Pyre wouldn't necessarily take the full damage. But as you guys stand there, you conjure this column of flame that burns white hot around you. You feel your skin searing, but you keep looking at Pyre, who snarls and begins to slowly calm as the flames encircle you. Give me an animal handling check, and you can do so with advantage. We can help. 14. 14. Pyre looks at you with... There's a moment of shock and kind of confusion. You've made a good show of it so far, and you definitely have this creature's attention, but you recognize that perhaps it is not fully convinced yet. That's another hit on its end. You take another 10 damage as Pyre lurches through this torrent of flame and scratches you across your chest. It is now your turn. I walk closer. I get closer to her. I'm not afraid. I grab her forehead and I put my forehead to her forehead. (laughs) In In a cylinder of fire, I put my head onto this fiery beast. Oh my goodness. As you recast Flame Strike, um, the flames consume around both of you. You've taken a significant amount of damage, by the way. I would say at least 40, given it's 86 twice. But you continue to push through, and this creature kind of looks a bit shocked as you, regardless of the pain, keep pushing forward and put your head to its. You may roll another animal handling check with advantage. It's a 16. Standing there, Singe, your clothing is scorched and burnt practically falling off of your body though we'll say for the sake of decency it does not it's okay Um, i could be naked in this fire cylinder (laughs) the flames consume your clothes and you are standing head to head with this creature naked flames kind of sizzling around you and you see pyre looks up and then sits down before you it seems like though Pyre has returned. Perhaps it is not Pyre as you knew them. Mm. But as of now, the all fire seems to be under your control. Pyre? Kind of just staring at you with open, ready eyes. This reminds you of when you first were bestowed a Pyre upon you many, many, many years ago. It's It Do feels... I- like it, you're re-meeting this person who you've known your whole life. Do I get the impression that this version of the Allfire doesn't re- remember what we... Like, no, it must, right? Give me an insight check. Gee. Does it need a new name? Okay. 27. You think that this creature perhaps has access to these memories, but from what you know... This is a fire spirit drawn from the elemental plane of fire, essentially bestowed upon you by the elven god. So it is the same kind of magic bringing it back, and it's possible that it has the memories, but 
as of right now, it does not seem like it remembers anything. But she looks to you and bows her head. I bow my head. And when I, as I'm bowing, I look down and realize that I'm naked. (laughs) And then I pick my head back up, take a deep breath, and kind of grieve a little bit. Like, Pyre was not only, you know, my companion, but my friend. And so I think that I understand that this was probably for a reason. What is to come is not easy and requires more of me and of the Allfire. You take that, this lesson almost, and the Allfire approaches you, loyal, as the two of you stand not ready but willing to face what's ahead of you you and pyre turn and head back up the stone stairs the flames of your ritual flickering out behind you you step out into the cool night air stars high above you and having burned yourself and all of your clothes you probably take the time to go and find yourself another pair of flame retardant robes and um (laughs) take another trance before waking up for your full day of adventure as you return to your private grove pyre sits and watches you burning there in the darkness until you finally close your eyes and begin to meditate when you open your eyes the echoes of hazy visions of past lives fading in the early hours of the morning pyre is gone now glowing blue in your earring, uh, and as you begin to awaken, you hear Smite speaking with Uncle Moss Peacewellow and a dryad acolyte by the stone stairs leading into the temple. You, I imagine, approach, and as you do, Smite signals to you and breaks off from Moss, who smiles in your direction before continuing to discuss plans with the dryad. I got another call from Zola. This time, I actually got to speak with Barley, too. What? Things are okay on their end. Moss and I will be heading back soon, so, we, you know, to spread the word about the situation. Um, yeah. So. What did Zola say? They're, everyone's doing good. Everyone's okay. Um, she just got a big job for me to do. I got to help out with it. So, you know, just going to head back with Moss. and. Uh, What's the big job? I actually don't know. I kind of got too excited to ask. Um, I just agreed because, um, you know, it had to do with protecting the city and we hadn't seen Zola. So, you know. Of course. Yeah. Totally. Well, um, I know it's only been a few days, but it's it's been truly magical getting to know you and work with you. Thank you for all of your help and for showing me the power of discipline and control. Yeah. Um. I think that Brigid is like a little overwhelmed by like the amount of information that Smite just told her and that Smite will be leaving and Moss will be leaving and you know she spent so long with them the last couple of weeks so a couple days actually couple it days. really feels like a couple of weeks that does it <laughs> yeah um well good luck and uh you're welcome for everything you said and um I you think we'll see each other soon? Yeah, I mean, I'll be 
back as soon as I, I can be. I Moss I'll try wants and, to do that, you know, the initial. Yeah, I was going to say, I'll try and, like, you know, convince people that that's a good idea. And, uh, you know, uh, I'll be doing my thing on my side over here. You yeah, know? totally. Just trying to... uh, I'll, I'll be back soon, I, I promise. Okay. Um, as you guys are kind of having this little awkward back and forth, you hear a call. All right, break it up, you two. Bring it, your mother awaits us at the travel tree. We can say goodbyes there. Okay, sounds good for goodbyes. <laughs> um, you all begin to head out, walking through the halls of this grand temple to nature and life, passing by acolytes and fey who show reverence to you and a bit of suspicion towards your traveling companions at this moment. Uh, but you ignore them and carry on. I, I like smile at them and wave and like say like kind of signaling everything's good. <laughs> These people are great people. You want to help? Smite, you know giving a little hand and a nod, kind of trying to back you up on that. You guys head out, and in a matter of time, you are once again amongst the gigantic trees, following their sidewalk-like root systems to head back towards the massive Lago de Basso, where the small isle stands. Though transport via plants can be done through any tree big enough, you know that this tree, isolated on an island, is specifically used because it makes it easier to monitor who's coming and going from this area. Makes sense. I think that Brigid's like a little like shifty around this specific place just because it's the last time she saw Flay and she's maybe a little wary. Yeah, I imagine you probably get a little anxiety as Moss casts Water Walk on the three of you and you guys make your way literally essentially miles of walking towards this island. Is Smite like, (laughs) does Smite like dip a toe? What? Yeah, Smite like adds... Moss just like casts it and like walks forward I gracefully, start walking. and you also, and he's just like for definitely a full thirty seconds is like pressing a foot on it, like not really sure before finally following uh, as the three of you make your way across the water. You walk for some time towards the single tall tree growing far in the center of this lake, and soon you see your mother, the stunning satyr in starry dreamlike druidic robes, waiting patiently for you, speaking with the fairy who zips off the moment you get close. Moss approaches and bows with reverence. Thank you again, Carmen. You are, as always, a kind and wise leader. She bows to him. Until we meet again, Moss, do take care. He smiles and approaches the tree, beginning to cast the spell as Smite turns to you one last time. I say to Moss, are you sure you don't, like, are you sure you're, like, ready to go back? I mean... Oh, yeah, we know, gotta... Can you, I, mean, I just don't want you to get taken again. You know, that would be, that would be really... Um, so just, like, I just, you know, do you need someone to help? Like, be muscle or something? I mean, I can... I'll, I'll make sure to stay with him so I can give you a call. Yeah. You know, that way you have tabs on it. Totally. You can escape at any moment. Right, you know, you're right. You're, that's fine, too. Thanks again for everything. You're welcome. You hear Moss utter the final word, and he begins to pull the tree trunk open to form a swirling green portal. Oh, well, goodbye, Brigid. So good to see you. Thanks for saving my life. Bye, Uncle. It's really good to see you, too. He he, he tips his little, like... Stay safe. <laughs> his little druid cap, which he has gotten a new one of, this one that's covered in, like, little bug's legs. He tips it to you and then gestures for Smite to enter. And Smite looks back and says, Stay safe. Burn bright. And then <laughs> disappears through the portal. And Moss follows. I think Brigid's just kind of like, that was so fast. That happened so fast, and I blew it. 
Your mother looks to you. Are you ready? Yep. Give me a deception check. Another five. <laughs> you can never lie to a mother. She looks at you. I'm sorry they had to leave. They'll be back soon enough, I'm sure. And if you manage to complete this quest, I'm positive you'll be seeing him very often. Or yeah. them, sorry. Moss and Smythe. Yeah. I think so, too. I hope so. I know so. Um, and Why, she, what do you know? What did you say? Uh, did you say anything? No, I, I just, you know, I... I I infer that this will you, go... You didn't read his mind, did you? Not like last time. No, I didn't read anyone's mind. I'm not doing that anymore. You can't do that anymore. I'm not doing that anymore. We're not discussing this. Okay. All right. She reaches forward into the tree and pulls out, opening a swirling green portal from the wood. She smiles and bows her horned head to you, gesturing for you to enter. Is this okay? Did the council say that this was okay? Or are we just going for Don't it? Don't worry about the council. Remember what we said. First we get the supplies, then we ask for permission. That's right. Ask questions later. Exactly. <laughs> That's what Zola would do. I don't truly know who Zola is, but from your stories, she sounds You don't understand, Mommy. You'll get later. <sighs> you kids. Um, a 69-year-old elf <laughs> steps through this portal. <laughs> you step through, and as you do, you find yourself stepping out of a tree far south of Elder Greenhaven. The Fungal Forests, a region in the southeastern portion of the jungles where fungi is the dominant life form. Though Veridontis trees and local foliage do grow, countless types of fungi make their home here. Some towering near Veridontes tree heights, others blooming like flowers amongst the tree's branches, trunk, and roots. The air is thicker than normal here. It's already humid in the actual jungle, but here it is sweet with the sense of healthy rot and the natural aromatics that these various species of mushrooms give off. This is probably one of the areas of the jungle that you've frequented the least. In a lot of ways, fungus does the job of a wildfire. So when you have to come here, it's mostly been on trips with Magnolia, who studies and collects spores from the area. And you've really never come this deep. Based on just your natural kind of survival instincts, you know that you are incredibly far south. And in the distance, you actually do see the cursed Sanguisaur Mountains, these bloody peaks whose iron um, deposits naturally give it these like red rivers that flow from it you are kind of looking around as your mother steps next to you and turns your attention ahead of you where you see a path carved through the mold covered roots leading about 60 feet forward to a massive house-sized puffball mushroom a big white ball in the middle of this variety of strange dark and muddled colors of this fungal forest there is a sort of door formed out of fungus in the front, and your mother begins to lead the way forward, passing by these various um, kind of strange mushrooms that both like either bend away or bend towards in some sort of reverence. And with your passive perception, you do indeed see myconids, fungus folk, sentient mushroom life forms roaming throughout the Veridontes. They're kind of these peaceful, neutral folks that as you begin to walk towards this puffball mushroom, kind of peek out from the woods silently and kind of slip back in. <laughs> they, they, and they kind of scamper off into the woods. You both approach the door and your mother steps forward, giving a polite little knock before stepping back. Lisa, would you like to introduce your character and perhaps your surroundings within this puffball? Ah, one moment. Um, and instead of the door opening, 
you see the puffball just kind of deflate a little bit, deflate a little bit more, and then <laughs> and the top kind of peels open as a withered old liver-spotted hand starts to pull me up. And you see a woman who is way beyond years as far as age goes. Her skin is spotted and lined, and she's got long, gently waving white hair that goes all the way down to her feet like it's never been cut before. She's super short. She's also hunched over, and when she kind of jumps down and lands crouched on the ground, uh, you see that she moves pretty stiffly. But instead of using like a man-made mobility aid, she's just perma-casting mold earth, and the jungle floor just gently sways upwards in little mounds, catch all her footsteps. She's also completely fucking naked. Uh, her tits are hanging out and covered in spores, and she, yeah, just appears to have like woken out of a really long nap from this puffball oh mushroom. Wow, and you really wanted to put clothes back on. Ew. Clearly, this is a clothes-free party. Seriously. Ah, <laughs> oh, my eyes are still adjusting. Who is that? Babareshi, it is, as always, a pleasure. It is me, Cardamon, Wildspice. Cardamon, how are you? I'm lovely, dear. I'm so sorry to wake you from your rest. I wish we were bringing better tidings, but it seems like dangerous times are on the horizon for us. And this is Brigid, no doubt. Yes, nice to meet you. <laughs> I felt the warmth of your footsteps approaching. Really? Why are you waking me up? Well, um, Keeper Brigid is setting out um, to look for an artifact. Ah! Yes, the one you had mentioned to me the last time we spoke, a plain stone. Did I mention that? Yes, I believe you did. I thought I forgot. So great news all around. Oh, you see, Cardamon looks a little bit worried. Um, and <laughs> Babarisha, you would know, thanks to your vast fungal network, that this stone does indeed exist. Uh, you've heard tell of it from these scarce travelers that have made their way through the haunted peaks. Uh, it seems to be stored in the ruins of a long dead civilization close to the mountains. Though no one knows its true name, you know it to be called Phase Rot. A city destroyed in a cataclysm during the maldiction. I hear murmurs, yes, in a terrible place. Are we going there? If you want to come. How far? Far? Pretty far, yes. I would imagine that if you both wild shape or use some sort of speed spell of sorts, you should make it there before sundown, but... It is definitely a great distance. and I'm ready to go. Oh, wow. Right now? <laughs> I'm ready. I don't need anything. You don't need anything. That's awesome. I uh, pat the puffball mushroom, and it just gives one less gasp and then kind of shrivels and starts, like, returning to the jungle floor. That'll come back. I bet Brigid thinks, like, how fucking badass is this? Cool. Mom, are you coming with us, or...? Uh, no, unfortunately, I have other business to attend to back in Elder Green Haven. Okay. As you know, the council was not entirely thrilled about the idea of getting this object, so I'm going to do a little politicking to see if I could convince a few to be more agreeable. 
So just the young folks on this just road trip. Yes, just you two younglings. Carterman, uh, who is indeed like 660-something years old, um, smiles at the two of you. Carmen's like dropping Brigitte off at babysitting. <laughs> Literally, this is like your babysitter is your here to take care. like an older sister to me, kind of. We only Quite. see each other every 30 years. Quite. It's, and apologies for waking you up early. I know that it's you know, maybe no a worries. year or two Yeah, prior. I'll have to hit snooze next time for sure. Yes, well, don't worry. If, this, <laughs> if all goes well, I shan't disturb you for quite some time. Well... I will return, and um, if either of you can send me an animal messenger once you are on your way back, then I could perhaps meet you here once again to bring you back to Elder Greenhaven with the stone. And you, of course, Barbarashi, can go back to your well-deserved rest. Perfect. Just eat the next slightly moldy thing you'll see, and you'll get my message. All right. I. <laughs> next time you see a rotten apple on the ground, just take a big bite. Wow, I'm just blown away. You are, as always, incredible. Should Indra. we go? Yes. Let's do I, it. I bid you both good luck. Um, and she turns, and you see her once again cast Transport via Plants, pull open a portal, and step on through. Well, it's really great to meet you. You too. I've heard a lot about your methods. I'm very interested in speaking with you. Thanks. What have you heard? Fire is a fascinating subject. I, it's quite damp here, so we don't see it a lot. Yeah. We're kind of like opposites, you and I. It's true, but kind of the same same vibe, though. So I just woke up after, t- like, 25 years. How are things? Good? What's up? Things could be better. <laughs> um, such a well-timed 25 years. So much has happened. What's up with years. everything? Things could be better. What was the last thing you heard about, like, the Capitol? Or, like, you know... Mm, I don't really keep up with politics. Sure, yeah. I just live way out here in puffball mushroom. Fair enough. So then I feel like a lot of what I could say is, like, pretty irrelevant. Right, it's, right. It's power Good, bad. Do you bad. want to rate? Okay, power ten. Power has shifted, and it is continually shifting, as always. On a scale of one to ten, one being good or bad. I guess since you will ultimately be giving the rating, you may decide upon the parameters with upon which we will rate. Um. <laughs> That makes sense, Baba. Can I call you Baba? You can call me whatever the hell you want, honey. I'm just excited to be up and at them. <laughs> so um, at a scale, on a scale of one to ten, ten being really good and one being really bad, one I would bad. say. <laughs> ten uh, is good. Uh, I would say like one is where we are heading if we don't change the way of things. We're okay. like a solid five right now. Sounds like we should get stepping. Yeah. What did the two of you wild shape into, if you're wild shaping as well, Baba? Yeah, you watch as I kind of, like, wake up and start, like, cracking some of my joints and bones and stuff. (laughs) Baba Rishi has a really odd body that, like, kind of is disproportionate and, like, hangs weird in some ways. Like, she maybe was just kind of, like, made one day. Like, you think you might catch, like, a couple, like, stitches of, like, hemp and rope somewhere, and you're like, there's something up with this lady. But Brigid uh, thinks it's extremely <laughs> amazing and cool. I will wild shape into just a kind of like a fucked up, like hairless eagle. <laughs> An eagle 
has no feathers? Like a really bald eagle. Like a sphinx eagle. Okay. I will say that aside from your wings, which do need to be feathered in order yeah, yeah. to sustain I'm just flight, like, I'm like molting. Yes. Yeah. Like patches of feathers are falling As I off. like go into the air, you see just like a lot of gray fuzz just kind of <laughs> falling out of me. And it takes me like a little bit to ascend. Yeah. And I might do a couple of like barrel rolls, like a fish that has swim bladder. Yeah. But then eventually I get up there. I catch the currents and then I'm flying. Like Sick. an old car, you hear like a pop, 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 pop. As like little spore pot like pot, like passes out like you see like eight thousand tiny little myconids come out and wave goodbye to me. Brigid, what are you turning um, into? Uh, can Brigid turn into a phoenix without it like being a big deal? Yeah, you uh, spread. <laughs> yeah, totally. I was being dramatic. About can I just it? be a phoenix like <laughs> really casual? So you really casually like stretch, and as you do, flames run up your arms, and you. <laughs> Turn she thinks into that this beautiful, beautiful, uh, like eagle-like phoenix. She thinks that Babarishi is so cool. So she's trying to like. It's like the, one of those things where like you have your mom who's like really cool, but then when you meet like another cool older woman, you're like, I want this woman to be my mom. <laughs> <laughs> do you know what I mean? So I try and like you know do all the coolest things I possibly can to think to make Babarishi think that I'm also cool. <laughs> you two. see Baba Rishi. You've never seen a bird yawn before, <laughs> but you see a bird yawn, rub its eyes, and then just release like 25 years of shit down onto the forest floor. Slamming into the ground. Immediately more myconids begin to grow from it, just immediately absorbing it into the forest. Incredible. Yeah. This is some of the best recycling of life you've ever seen. And as a wild bird druid, you can't help but respect it. It's alive. The world is alive. The two of you, this this flaming eagle and this patchy (laughs) eagle, begin to kind of fly into the sky, soaring through the fungi of the forest, the buzz of large insects in your ear, and the sweet smell of decay in the air. And that is where we're going to end our episode today. Thank you so much for listening to the first episode of the new year. We made it, y'all. Two years! Thank you especially to our Eldritch patrons. If you would like to become an Eldritch patron, go to patreon.com slash pod. This little miniature arc was a chunky chapter, so it was split in two, the second part premiering next week on Tuesday. We are so excited to continue the story of Baba and Brigid, returning to Zola in two weeks to see how our half-orc hero is faring the frigid peaks of the Ouroboros. Thank you again, and until next time, try not to die. All hail our eldritch patrons! Especially Anita, Ashley, Becca B, Colleen, Eclair, Elana, Emily, Jacob, James, Kate, Leo, May, Morgan, Nat, Nicola, Paige, Roni, Sahara, and of course, our producer Patty, Patrick Branstetter, and producer Daddies, Becca Mount and Rose Evelyn Campbell. We thank you for these podcasting powers and promise to raise hell in your names. Till next time, try not to die. Thank <laughs> you.